Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Leviticus. And as you'll see in the sermon, our text is is, uh, Matthew. We're going to spend a lot of time in Leviticus. It's one of those New Testament sermons that sort of masquerades as an Old Testament sermon. Uh, And so uh, we will... Um, we will at least allude back to, to uh, this law on the leper. And so to get a, a feel for what we have here in this law on the leper, we're going to read the beginning of verse 13 that uh, talks about a little bit the procedure, and, uh, and then 45 through 46 where we get if there is a leper and what the consequences are, and then into 14 where we see the purification of the leper. Uh, So Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll jump to 45, and then to chapter 14. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has the skin of his body, um, has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall examine the diseased area of the skin on the skin of the body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if it is in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Jumping up to verse 45. If he is leprous, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes And let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And then over to chapter 14. And let's read 1 through 20. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this law be, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to take one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. 
Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be, to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of a sanctuary. For the guilt offering like the sin offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and put it into the palm of his own hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left palm and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of that oil that remains in his hand the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who, is to, him who is to become cleaned, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed with his uncleanness. And afterwards, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Then the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. If you'll now turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Our New Testament reading is a little shorter. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. So this is coming, as we'll see in, in here, right after the Sermon on the Mountains. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gifts that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let us pray for God's guidance. Who is Jesus? It's a simple question. I imagine I could ask even most of you kids and you could give me an answer. A biblical answer, I hope. Um, As I mentioned, I teach junior high Sunday school often, and they think Jesus is the answer to every question I ask, Uh, and he often is. Uh, But it's this question that we constantly need before us. Who is Jesus? 
Each week we go out, we go about our lives, and we're bombarded by the world. The world with its cares, the world with its pleasures, the world with its distractions, and we forget. Well, maybe we we remember the biblical answer, but we forget how important that answer is. Who is Jesus? That answer affects our hopes, our worries, our joys, our hardships. It affects it all. Well, the Jews of Jesus' day, the Jews of Jesus' day, they had to decide who is Jesus. They saw his works, they saw his deeds, and, and often this actually created conflict. Conflict with other groups, especially the Pharisees. And Matthew, as with the other gospel writers, he wants to show us who Jesus is. He wants to show us through this record of his words, this record of his deeds. And so right before our text, we have that that large chunk of his words, the Sermon on the Mount, and the crowds respond to it saying, when Jesus finished saying that they were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. But now we enter into Matthew in chapter 8 and into verse 9, a whole record of his deeds, mainly his miracles. And these also show who is Jesus, because who can have power like this? And as we look at our text, we'll, uh, we'll refer a couple times to, to a portion from the Sermon on the Mount near the beginning. Uh, Matthew five seventeen through 20, where Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he will will highlight two things there. He speaks of fulfilling the law. That's not one iota will pass. He's there to fulfill the law and this need for a righteousness greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. And so we'll tie those together as we reflect on what we have in Matthew 8, 1 through 4. Uh, in many ways, thinking of this ceremonial law on purity. And uh, we'll do it under three points. We'll first look at the leper and the purity law. And this will be the largest section. This is my mini Old Testament sermon. And then we'll have our Jewish distortions of the purity law. And finally, Jesus, the fulfiller of the purity laws. And so... Looking at the leper, the Jewish distortions, and then Jesus as the fulfiller of these purity laws. And so as we think of the leper, lepers were lonely. As we read, 
chapter 13 of Leviticus 45 through 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, it's helpful to note that what the Bible calls leprosy is not identical to what we would call leprosy. It's this broader range of skin ailments and even non-skin ailments because clothing and a house can even have leprosy. Uh, and so it's most likely didn't even include what we call modern leprosy. And I bring that up as it's important as, uh, as we think of what they do with a leper. We read at the beginning of chapter 13 that they quarantine him or put him outside. And then he has to go outside the camp if he has this leprosy. And as we hear that, we think of separating somebody who's sick so that they don't get other people sick, this contagiousness of their sickness. But that does not seem to be the concern here, the spreading of germs. Instead, it's this spreading of impurity. And more specifically, what is the concern is the spreading of impurity, this uncleanness to the tabernacle or later on the temple. And Numbers chapter 5 is a helpful text as it talks about the lepers amongst other people who in the wilderness camp had to be put outside because God dwelt in that camp, in the tabernacle. Numbers 5 says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or who has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile the camp in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so and put them outside the camp, as the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. And so as we think on these laws of leprosy, They're part of what we commonly call the ceremonial laws concerning purity. And in Old Testament Israel, there were many sources of this impurity or uncleanness. And they were part of their ordinary life. Carrying the dead body, the corpse of an animal, uh, which often as an Israelite farmer you might have to do, that would make you unclean, would make you impure. Uh, going to a funeral where there is a dead body of a human there would make you unpure. And even the marriage bed made both the man and the woman impure or unclean. And so as we hear all of that, we see that, well, everybody's unclean. On a regular basis. They must be. And so being unclean, as we think about it in the Old Testament, was not bad in some abstract way. Instead, it's all about the tabernacle, that place where God dwelt. Why do you need to be clean? It's so that you can come to the tabernacle. 
If you become unclean, you are separated temporarily from God's presence until you use what he has provided, his means for becoming clean, usually just washing and waiting. And then you're clean again and you can go. And thus in everyday activities, Israel had to be aware, they had to be concerned of their their current state. Was what I do Would that make me unclean or not? And then do I need to be careful about going to the sanctuary or do I need to go cleanse myself? And so we could say that these purity laws were one way that God made Israel always remember and think about his presence with them. In all of their activities, they were to remember the tabernacle. Now, When we hear this language of impurity or uncleanness, our natural inclination is to think it's to be avoided, it's this bad thing, maybe even sinful. But as we just said, as we read these laws, we see that it couldn't be avoided. And in fact, even things that are commanded, like be fruitful and multiply, they would make you unclean. And thus, being unclean was not something to avoid to even be ashamed of. Instead, it was something just to be aware of and take those proper steps to deal with it so that you could then approach God's house of worship. But leprosy was different. Leprosy was one of three bodily ailments, sicknesses or diseases, that would make you unclean, and all three are unique because there's no end That is fixed. Other impurities, they would make you unclean for a day or for a week or maybe even up to 80 days. But if you were a leper, if you had leprosy, you were unclean until you were healed. If you were ever healed. And we'll come back to that point later. And not only that, of these three, leprosy was the worst. The worst impurity. There are different types or levels of impurity. All impurity, as we said, would defile the temple or the tabernacle, and you needed to be careful as you did that. But there were minor ones that if you were unclean, impure, you couldn't make other people unclean or impure. You just needed to be careful not to go to the tabernacle. But in contrast, there were major impurities that if you had those, then you would make other people impure, and usually by touch. Well, leprosy was this not only major impurity, but we could say even the heightened, super major impurity. As a leper, you would not only make people unclean when you touched them, but just by being in the same room, in the same tent, as it says, or the same building, you would make them unclean. And so if anybody here was a leper, all of us would be unclean right now. And as we look at the laws, there's only one thing that could make you impure in the same way as a leper, and that's a human corpse. And so in many ways, as far as the laws of impurity go, the leper was like the walking dead. 
That was his level of impurity. And that's why this leopard, he's banished from the camp. He's crying, unclean, unclean, so everybody knows what the deal is. Thus, leprosy, it not only separated you from God's presence there at the tabernacle, as all of those impurities did, but it really separated you from your community, from the other Israelites, from your family, from your friends. A leper was in a rather lonely situation, cut off from God's presence at the tabernacle, cut off from his family, friends. And as we said, there was no end point in sight, no time limit that he could just say, oh, if I just wait until then, I'll be clean. No time limit for this period of uncleanness. You were stuck in this state until you were healed, if you ever were. But leprosy was healed. And so as we read in chapter 14, there is a process for cleansing. And you can tell how severe of an uncleanness it was by how long the process was. Uh, We can see that with the other types of uncleanness. Uh, And so as we saw there, first and important for our text is you have to be inspected by the priest. The priest is the one to certify whether the leprosy has been healed or not. And then once the priest certifies that, then you would start this process. And the priest takes these two birds, kills one, blood in a bowl, takes the other one, lets the other bird go in many ways, symbolizing this removal of impurity, uh, similar to the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. Uh, But then the leper continues. He's got to shave off all his hair, wash himself, all of these ways of showing this removal. Uh, But that isn't completed. That just gets him so that he can enter the camp. But he can't even enter his tent yet. And so he waits seven more days, shaves again, washes again. And then he brings, finally, at the tabernacle, his offerings. These various offerings, first the guilt or reparations offerings, which is in many ways this payment, and its blood is the one that was applied to his right ear lobe, right thumb, his right toe, in many ways restoring his status to Israel. And then he offers that sin or purification offering with its, with its burnt offering, and that finishes his cleansing. And so then after all of that, he is finally restored in that so that he can fully re-enter society and come come before God's presence and worship at the tabernacle. Now, as we think about our text in Matthew, we have this Jewish distortions of the purity law during the New Testament times that we need to mention. Because I would add that lepers in the New Testament times They were even more lonely because of these Jewish distortions. In our passage, this leper approaches Jesus, not as he's supposed to, crying out, unclean, unclean. Instead, he comes, he bows down in faith, and he pleads with Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches the leper. And this is where you all as New Testament Jewish 
Observers gasp. You are shocked. Or at least that's what many Jew, many of the Jews in Jesus' day would have done. They would have been surprised, if not scandalized. Jesus was purposefully defiling himself. Because remember, touching that leper with that super major impurity would make all who touched him unclean. How could Jesus do that? Now, as we mentioned in the Old Testament law, there was no law against defiling yourself. It wasn't unclean to be sinful. It wasn't something you had to avoid. You just had to be aware of it. You couldn't even avoid it if you tried. So why were the Jews in Jesus' day so surprised? Well, in Jesus' day, various groups had changed the practice. They had made unclean something to be avoided. And they had often even raised the levels beyond what God had required of what you were to keep for impurity, uh, often those of the level of the priests. And so the Gospels, we see in them mention some of these practices, these fencings of the law, as they're often called, as the Jews were raising and trying to keep themselves from even coming close to breaking the law. And so one of those is uh, the confrontation there is over Jesus and his disciples and the washing of hands. And this, children, isn't because of germs, but it's in imitation of what the priests, most likely what the priests do in their purity rituals. And we also have the priests, um, the people, these Pharisees and others, they would they would separate anybody who might make them unclean. And so women who had given birth or women during their time of the month were segregated away to separate quarters. And tax collectors and sinners, because you have no idea where they've been, you certainly do not eat with them, you certainly do not touch them. And lepers. Don't go near a leper. As we said, they're the walking dead. But as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus is different. He doesn't keep these extra added laws. What does he do? He eats with those tax collectors and sinners. And he doesn't rebuke that woman who comes up and touches his garment who had that flow of blood. And he didn't avoid dead bodies as he even raises them from the dead. And here, he even touches lepers. Now, some would say, well, Jesus can do that because he doesn't contract impurity himself uh, or by other means, as we said. But I see no reason to think that. As we said, being unclean was not sinful. Being unclean was, was not something that the law commanded you to avoid. And so even though we're never told explicitly whether Jesus becomes unclean or not, we know that his mother, when she gave birth to him, she observed the purity laws because through the birth she became unclean. And so as we think of Jesus, the one who keeps the law to the uttermost, we would assume that he also was keeping these laws of purity. 
And so Jesus, I would argue, as he touches this leper, he's confronting those Jews who made that outward purity a badge of righteousness. Many Jews had focused on the external at the expense of the internal. They were worried more about their outward purity and not what it really was an analogy for, inward purity. They were concerned with the ceremonial law while neglecting the moral law. And one good example is the Good Samaritan parable. Because what do we find there? A priest and a Levite, what do they do? They keep a wide berth. And why? I would argue it's because they were afraid that that might be a dead body and thereby they would make themselves impure. And so they wouldn't help this fellow Jew as they were worried about purity. And so Matthew records Jesus' words as, as, he, as he gives his woes against them, and we'll read one of those woes. He says, woe, this is from Matthew 23, verse 27, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful. That focus on that external. But within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. They had missed the point of the purity laws as they in many ways taught by analogy about sin. Just as everyone became unclean, it wasn't something you could avoid. Everyone was separated from the tabernacle. And everyone needed to look to God for the remedy so that they could be reconciled, brought back. So also, all are defiled. In this moral sense, they're separated from God because of their sin, and they need God to provide a way. And so in this, some Jews tried to make their own way, their own righteousness, that with enough effort, they could just free themselves from impurity, or at least as much as is possible. And many revered them for that. And that's why Jesus said, as we read there from the Sermon on the Mount, for I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the leper had no such illusions of whether he needed Jesus. And it was Jesus who later said in Matthew 9, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus, in compassion, he reaches out and he touches the leper. Disregarding those Jewish additions and distortions of the law, making himself unclean to make this leper clean, healing him. And this is where we see Jesus as this fulfiller of the purity laws. As we described above, and as we read in Leviticus, there's that complex process for the leper to be cleansed. And we can see Jesus upholding this law. Because what does he do? As he came this one under 
the, the law to fulfill its demands for us. He here keeps this law. Um, as we said, Matthew 5, 17, do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so he is sending this leper to the priest, as is proper for the priest to inspect him. And then that whole procedure, as we mentioned, those offerings required, he tells them to bring those offerings. However, we see even more here. As we said earlier, the uncleanness of leprosy didn't have a set time limit. It lasted until they were healed. And thus, before the law could come into effect, there needed to be this healing. And thus we could say the law, this law of the cleansing of the leopard, by itself was powerless to cleanse the leper. The leper couldn't heal himself. The priest couldn't heal him. There was nothing for the leper to do but wait. Wait upon God. And that is why the leper approaches Jesus. We're not told exactly what he believed about him, but he believed that he could heal him. He wanted to be clean. The full restoration involved, be reunited with his family and friends, to be able to enter God's presence again. And Jesus brings that about. He does what the law on its own could not do because God had come to this leper. And so Jesus is demonstrating who he is. And he says as much to this healed leper. He tells him not to tell anybody at first, referring to those roundabout. He doesn't want them to see him just as this miracle worker. Instead, he tells this leper to show himself to the priest. And then we get there mentioned at the end. He's offering those proper sacrifices. And it's as a testimony to them. Now, there's debate in that verse for that testimony, or as the ESV has a proof to them. There's debate on who is the them. I would say in the context, it certainly seems to be the priests. Jesus is sending here leper as exhibit A to these priests because it was their job to verify that, yes, indeed, this leper has been healed, And by that, they should know the power of the one who sent him. And they, like the leper, should come and bow down before him. And so we read later in Matthew, John the Baptist, as he's wrestling with his doubts, as he's sitting in prison, he hears about what Jesus is doing and he sends his disciples to him, Matthew chapter 11. And this is what Jesus, uh, as he sends his messengers, they say to Jesus, Matthew 11, verse 3, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, 
and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Who is Jesus? Hear and see the signs. Jesus is the Christ, the one greater than Moses, the one who fulfills that law of Moses for us. More importantly, he's able to do what the law was powerless to do because he is God incarnate. If those purity laws teach us about our alienation from God because of sin, Christ's healing of the leopard, it shows us his willingness to restore us when we come to him in faith. Not trying to build our own righteousness like those of the Pharisees, but in humility. Coming as those confessing our sins and pleading for his mercy. And so that call goes out. Come to him, O sinner. If he is able and willing to save and restore a leper who is this one who's as good as dead, he can and will save you to the uttermost. And so, let us turn to him in prayer.